Purgatory Explained, Part 2, Chapter 50 Advantages Prayers of the Souls for Us Suarez, St. Bridget, St. Catherine of Bologna, Venerable Vianney We have just spoken of the gratitude of the holy souls. This day sometimes manifests, as we have seen, in a clearly visible manner, but most frequently they exercise it invisibly by their prayers. The souls pray for us not only when, after their deliverance, they are with God in heaven, but even in their place of exile and in the midst of their sufferings. Although they cannot pray for themselves, yet by their supplications they obtain great grace for us. Such is the express doctrine of two eminent theologians, Bellarmine and Suarez. These souls are holy, says Suarez, and dear to God. Charity urges them to love us, and, as, and they know, at least in a general way, to what dangers we are exposed, and what need we have of the divine assistance. Why, then, would they not pray for their benefactors? Why? But it will be answered because they know them not. In that dismal abode, in the midst of their torments, how can they know who are those that assist them by their suffering? To this objection, it may be applied. The soul feels at least the alleviation which they receive and the assistance which is given them. This suffices, even should they be ignorant of the source whence it came, to call down the benedictions of heaven upon their benefactors, whosoever they may be, and who are known to God. But in reality, do they not know from whom they receive assistance in their sufferings? Their ignorance of this is not no wise proved, and we have strong reason to believe that no such ignorance exists. Would their angel guardian who dwells there with them to give them all the consolation in his power, deprive them of this consoling knowledge? Is this knowledge not conformable to the doctrine of the communion of saints? Would the intercourse which exists between us and the church sufferings not be more perfect for its being reciprocal, and that the souls know their benefactors better? This doctrine is confirmed by a great number of particular revelations and by the practice of several holy persons. We have already said that St. Bridget, in one of her ecstasies, heard several cries aloud. Lord God, all-powerful, reward a hundredfold, 
those who assist us by their prayers, and who offer to you their good works, in order that we may enjoy the light of your divinity. <clears throat> we read in the life of St. Catherine of Bologna that she had a most tender devotion toward the holy souls in purgatory, that she prayed for them very frequently and with great fervor, that she recommended herself to them with the greatest confidence in her spiritual necessities and advised others to do the same, saying, when I wish to obtain any favor from my Father in heaven, I have recourse to the souls that are detained in purgatory. I entreat them to present my request to the Divine Majesty in their own name, and I feel that I am heard through their intercession. A holy priest of our own day, the cause of whose beatification has been commenced in Rome, Venerable Vianney, cure of ours, said to an ecclesiastic who consulted him, Oh, if it were but known how great is their intercession, they would not be so much forgotten. We must therefore pray much for them, that they may pray much for us. These last words of Venerable Vianney indicate the true manner of having recourse to the souls in purgatory. We must assist them to obtain their prayers and the effects of their gratitude in return. We must pray much for them that they may pray much for us. There is no question here of invoking them as we invoke the saints in heaven. Such is not the spirit of the church, which, before all else, prays for the departed and assist them by her sufferings. But it is no wise contrary to the spirit of the church, nor to Christian piety, to procure relief for the souls, with the intention of obtaining in return, through the assistance of their prayers, the favors which we desire. Thus it is laudable and pious act to offer a Mass for the departed when we are in need of any particular grace. If when the holy souls are still in their sufferings, their prayers are so powerful, we may easily conceive that they will be much more efficacious when Being entirely purified, these souls stand before the throne of God. If when the holy souls are still in their suffering, their prayers are so powerful, we may easily conceive that they will be much more efficacious when being entirely purified, these souls stand before the throne of God. 
Purgatory, Part 2, Chapter 51 Advantages Gratitude of the Divine Spouse of Souls If the souls are so grateful toward their benefactors, our Lord Jesus Christ, who loves those souls, who receives as done to himself all the good which we procure for them, will bestow an abundant recompense. Very often, even in this life, and always in the next. He regards those who show mercy and punishes those who forget to show it toward the suffering souls. Let us first see an example of chastisement. Venerable Archangela Panagorola a Dominican religious and prioress of the Monastery of St. Martha in Milan, had extraordinary zeal for the relief of the souls in purgatory. She prayed and obtained prayers for all her deceased friends, and even for those unknown to her, but of whose death she had been notified. Her father, Gothard, whom she tenderly loved, was one of those Christians of the world who seldom thought of praying for the dead. He himself died, and quite disconsolate, Archangela understood that her dear father stood more in need of prayers than of her tears. She therefore took the resolution of recommending him God by special suffrages. But, strange to say, this resolution was scarcely ever carried into effect. This girl, so pious and devoted to her father, did very little for his soul. God permitted that, notwithstanding her holy resolution, she continually forgot him and interested herself in behalf of others. Finally, an unexpected event explained this unwanted forgot forgetfulness and aroused her devotion in behalf of her father. On the Feast of All Souls, she remained secluded in her cell, exclusively occupied in exercising exercises of piety and penance for the relief of the poor souls. Suddenly her angel appeared to her, took her by the hand, and conducted her in spirit into purgatory. Among the first souls which she, she saw, she recognized that of her father, plunged in a pond of icy water. Scarcely had Gothard seen his daughter, then, coming towards her, he reproached her sorrowfully for having abandoned him in his sufferings, whilst she showed so much charity toward others, whom she constantly relieved and frequently delivered, those who were strangers to her. Archangela stood for some time confused by these reproaches, which she knew she had merited. 
Soon, however, shedding a torrent of tears, she replied, I will do, my dear father, all that you ask of me. May it please God to give ear to my supplications and speedily deliver you. Meanwhile, she could not recover from her astonishment, nor understand how she could thus have forgotten her beloved father. Having taken her back, her angel told her that this forgetfulness had happened by a disposition of divine justice. God, he said, has permitted it in punishment for the little zeal which during life your father manifested for God, his own soul, and that of his neighbor. You saw how he was tormented and benumbed in a lake of ice. This was the chastisement of his tepidity in the service of God and his indifference with, with regard to the salvation of souls. Your father was not an immoral man, it is true, but he showed little inclination for the acquirement of virtue and for the practice of those works of piety and charity to which the church exhorts to faithful. This is the reason why God permitted that he should be forgot forgotten, even by you, who would have given him too much relief. This is the chastisement ordinarily inflicted by divine justice upon those who are lacking in fervor and charity. He permits that others should conduct themselves in their regard as they have acted towards God and towards their brethren. Moreover, this is the rule of justice which our Savior has established in the gospel. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew 7, 2 
Purgatory Explained, Part 2, Chapter 52 Advantages Charity toward the holy souls recompensed by Jesus Christ God is more inclined to reward than to punish, and if he inflict a chastisement upon those who forget the souls so dear to his heart, he shows himself truly grateful toward those who assist him in the person of his suffering spouses. In recompense, he will one day say to them, Come ye, blessed of my Father, possess the kingdom which is prepared for you. You have exercised mercy toward your necessity, necessitous and suffering brethren. Amen. I say to you, as long as you did it to one of these, my least brethren, you did it to me. Matthew twenty-five forty. Very often in this life, Jesus rewards compassionate and charitable souls by the bestowal of many favors. St. Catherine of Siena, by her charity, had converted a sinner named Palmarine who died and went to purgatory. The saint gave herself no rest until she had delivered this soul. In recompense, our Lord permitted her to appear to the saint, or rather our Savior himself showed her to his servant as a glorious conquest of her charity. Blessed Raymond thus gives the details. In the middle of the 14th century, when St. Catherine edified her native city by all sorts of works of mercy, a woman named Palmarine, after having been the object of her tenderest charity, conceived a secret aversion towards her benefactors, which even, in, even degenerated into implacable hatred. No longer able to see or listen to the saint, the ungrateful Palmarine, embittered against the servant of God, ceased not to blacken her reputation by the most atrocious calumnies. Catherine did all in her power to conciliate her, but in vain. Then, seeing that her kindness, her humility, her benefits, served but to exile the fury of this unfortunate woman, she earnestly implored God to vouchsafe himself to move her obdurate heart. God heard her prayer by striking Palmarine with a mortal malady, but this chastisement did not suffice to make her enter into herself. In return for all the tender care which the saint lavished upon her, the wretched woman loaded her with insults and drove her from her presence. Meanwhile, her end approached, and a priest was called to administer the last sacraments. The sick person was unfit to receive them on account of the hatred which she nourished and which she refused to give up. 
On hearing this and seeing that the unfortunate creature had already one foot in hell, Catherine shed a torrent of tears and was inconsolable. For three days and three nights, she ceased not to supplicate God on her behalf, adding faster, fasting to prayer. What, Lord, she said, will you allow this soul to be lost on my account? I conjure you, grant me at any price her conversion and her salvation. Punish me for her sin, of which I am the occasion. It is not her, but me, the chastisement should strike. Lord, refuse me not the grace which I ask of you. I shall not leave you until I have, shall have attained it. In the name of your goodness, of your mercy, I conjure you, most merciful Savior, not to permit the soul of my sister to leave her body until it has been restored to your grace. <clears throat> her prayer, adds her biographer, was so powerful that she prevented the sick woman from dying. Her agony lasted for three days and three nights to the greatest astonishment of her nurses. Catherine, during this time, continued to intercede and ended by gaining the victory. God could no longer resist and worked a miracle of mercy. A ray of heavenly light penetrated the heart of the dying woman, showed her her fault, and nerved her to repentance. The saint, to whom God revealed this, hastened to her side. As soon as the sick person saw her, she gave her every possible mark of friendship and respect, accused herself aloud of her fault, received with piety the last sacraments, and died in the grace of God. Notwithstanding the sincerity of her conversion, it was to be feared that a sinner who had barely escaped hell would have to undergo a severe purgatory. The charitable Catherine continued to do all in her power to hasten the moment when Palmarine would be admitted to the glory of paradise. So much charity could not fail to meet its reward. Our Lord writes, Blessed Raymond, showed to his spouse that soul saved by her prayers. It was so brilliant that she told me she could find no words capable of expressing its beauty. It was not yet admitted to the glory of the beatific vision, but had that bright brightness which creation and the grace of baptism impart. Our Lord said to her, Behold, my daughter, this lost soul which you have found. And he added, Does she not appear to you most beautiful and precious? Who would not endure all sorts of suffering to save a creature so perfect and introduce it into eternal life? If I, who am the supreme beauty, from whom all beauty emanates, 
have been so far captivated by the beauty of souls as to descend upon earth and shed my blood to redeem them. With how much greater reason should you not labor one for another, that such admirable character creatures be not lost? If I have showed you this soul, it was that you should be all the more zealous in all that concerns the salvation of souls. Saint Magdalene of Pazzi, so full of devotion for the dead, exhausted all the resource of Christian charity on behalf of her mother after the latter had departed this life. A fortnight after her death, Jesus, wishing to console his spouse, showed her the soul of her beloved parent. Magdalene saw her in paradise, arrayed in dazzling splendor, and surrounded by saints who appeared to take great interest in her. She heard the blessed soul giving her three commands, which ever remained impressed upon her memory. Take care, my daughter, she said to descend as low as possible in humility, to observe religious obedience, and to carry out with prudence all that it prescribes. Saying this, Magdalene saw her blessed mother vanish from sight, and she remained inundated with the sweetest consolation. From the life of St. Magdalene de Pazzi. Purgatory, Part 2, Chapter 53 Advantages Charity Toward the Dead Rewarded The angelic doctor, St. Thomas of Aquine, was likewise very devout toward the suffering souls, who appeared to him several times, and we know of one of them by the testimony of the illustrious, illustrious doctor himself. He offered his prayers and sacrifices to God, particularly for the departed souls whom he had known or who were related to him. When he was professor of theology at the University of Paris, he lost a sister. He died in Papua at the convent of St. Mary, of which he was abbess, of which she was abbess. As soon as he heard of her decease, he recommended her soul to God with great fervor. Some days later, she appeared to him, conjuring him to have pity on her and to redouble his suffrages because she suffered cruelly in the flames of the other life. Thomas hastened to offer for her all the satisfaction in his power, and solicited also the suffrages of several of his friends. He thus obtained the deliverance of his sister, who came herself to announce the glad tidings. Some time after this, having been sent to Rome by his superiors, 
the soul of his sister appeared to him in all the glory of triumphant joy. She told him that his prayers had been heard, that she was freed from suffering, and was going to enjoy eternal repose in the bosom of God. Familiarized with these supernatural communications, the saint feared not to interrogate the apparition, and asked what had become of his two brothers, Arnold and Landoff, who had died some time previous. Arnold is in heaven, replied the soul, and there enjoys a high degree of glory for having defended the church and the sovereign pontiff against the aggressions of the Emperor Frederick. As to Landoff, he is still in purgatory where he suffers much and is greatly in need of assistance. As regards yourself, my dear brother, she added, a magnificent place awaits you in paradise in recompense for all you have done for us. Hasten to put the last stroke to the different works which you have undertaken, for you will soon join us. History tells us that, in fact, he lived but a short time after this event. On another occasion, the same saint, being in prayer at the church of St. Dominic in Naples, saw approaching him Brother Romano who had succeeded him at Paris in the chair of the theology. The saint thought at first that he had just arrived from Paris, for he was ignorant of his death. He therefore arose, went to meet him, saluted him, and inquired of him concerning his health and the motive of his journey. I am no longer of this world said the religious with a smile, and by the mercy of God I am already in the enjoyment of eternal beatitude. I come by the command of God to encourage you in your labors. Am I in the state of grace? asked Thomas immediately. Yes, dear brother, and your works are very agreeable to God. And you had you suff to suffer for and you had you to suffer purgatory? Yes, for fourteen days, on account of little infidelities which I had not sufficiently expiated on earth. Then Thomas, whose mind was constantly occupied with questions of theology, profited by the opportunity to penetrate the mystery of the beatific vision but he was answered with the, this verse of Psalm 47. As we have learned by faith, we have seen with our eyes in the city of God. Saying these words, the apparition vanished, leaving the angelic doctor inflamed with the desire of the eternal good. More recently, in the 16th century, a favor of the same nature, but perhaps more wonderful, was granted to a zealotor of the souls of purgatory, an intimate friend of St. Charles, Charles 
Romeo. Venerable, Venerable Gratian Panzoni, interested himself in the cause of the poor suffering souls throughout his whole lifetime. During the past, which carried off so many victims in the Diocese of Milan, Panzoni, not content with administering the sacraments to the plague-stricken, hesitated not to become sexton and to bury the dead bodies, for fear had paralyzed the courage of all, and no one would take upon themselves that terrible task. With zeal and charity truly apostolic, he had assisted a large number of the unfortunate victims in Arona in their last moments, and had interred them in the cemetery near his church of St. Mary. One day after the office of Vespers, he was passing by the cemetery in company with Don Alfonso Sanchez, then governor of Arona. He stopped suddenly, struck with extraordinary vision. Hearing some delusion, he turned toward Sanchez and said, Sir, do you see the same spectacle which presents itself to my view? Yes, replied the governor who had the same vision. I see a procession of the dead advancing from their graves toward the church, and I avow that until you spoke, I could not believe my eyes. Assured of the reality of the apparition, the archpriest added, they are probably the recent victims of the pest who wish to make known that they are in need of our prayers. He immediately caused the bells to be rung and invited the parishioners to assemble on the following morning for a solemn service for the dead. From the Life of Venerable Panzoni 75 We see here two persons whose sound judgment guarded them against all danger of illusion and who both struck at the same time, seeing the same apparition, hesitate to give credence to it until they were convinced that their eyes saw the same phenomenon. There is not the least room for hallucination, and every sensible man must admit the reality of a supernatural occurrence attested by such witnesses. <clears throat> Nor can we call in question those apparitions based upon the testimony of St. Thomas of Aquine, as related above. We must also guard against too easily rejecting other facts of the same nature from the moment they are attested by persons of recognized sanctity and truly worthy of belief. We must be prudent, no doubt, but ours must be a Christian prudence, equally removed from credulity and from that proud, conceited spirit with which, as we have remarked elsewhere, 
Jesus reproached with his apostles. Be not faithless, but believing. John twenty twenty seven. Monsignor Languet, Bishop of Soissons, made the same remark with reference to a circumstance which he relates in the life of Blessed Margaret Alacoque. Madame Billette, wife of the doctor of the house, that is to say, of the convent of Paray, where the blessed sister resided, had just died. The soul of the deceased appeared to the servant of God, asking her prayers and charging her to warn her husband of two secret affairs that concerned his salvation. The holy sister gave an account of what had taken place to her superior, Mother Greffier. The superior ridiculed the vision, and the one who related to it to her. She imposed silence upon Margaret, forbidding her to say or do anything regarding what she had been asked. The humble religious obeyed with simplicity, and with the same simplicity she related to Mother Greffier the second solicitation, which she received from the de deceased some days later. But the superior treated this with the same contempt. However, the following night, she herself was aroused by such a horrible noise in her room that she thought she would die from fright. She called the sisters, and when assistance came, she was on the point of swooning away. When she somewhat recovered, she reproached herself with incredulity and no longer delayed to acquaint the doctor with what had been revealed to Sister Margaret. The doctor recognized the warning as coming from God and profited by it. As for Mother Greffier, she learned by experience that if distrust is ordinarily the wisest policy, it is sometimes wrong to carry it too far especially when the glory of God and the good of our neighbor is concerned.